Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Star Wars 7x7 episode 2676. It's a Spinner Sunday episode and we're going to talk about a story featuring one of Harrison Nula's long lost missions. It gains new relevance considering her appearance in The Bad Batch and it's brought to you today by the fine folks at cufflinks.com. Punch it! Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy. And thank you so much for joining me for it. So back in 2015, Del Rey released a thing called a bind-up, which basically means they combined a couple of books together and, for good measure, they added a couple of short stories as well. So this bind-up featured A New Dawn by John Jackson Miller and Tarkin by James Luceno, but it also included three short stories, one of which is Mercy Mission by Melissa Scott. So in today's episode, we'll be talking about Mercy Mission, taking you through it in our usual five top takeaways style. So our first top takeaway has to do with when this story takes place and weaving in some additional context around that. So the story happens in 13 BBY before the Battle of Yavin, which means that it is six years after the fall of the Empire, and I guess that would also make it eight years before the start of Star Wars Rebels. As far as its place in the bind-up, it takes place two years before the events of A New Dawn, which is when Hera and Kanan first meet. And 13 BBY also puts Hera at 16 years old, because according to Wikipedia, she was born in 29 BBY. But there's another novel that's not in this bind-up that factors more into the equation of the timeline, and that's Lords of the Sith. That's the novel by Paul Kemp. It takes place a year prior to Mercy Mission in 14 BBY. That's the novel in which Emperor Palpatine and Lord Vader are at Ryloth, and Cham Syndulla has his best shot to take them out, and unfortunately misses. I mean, he puts them through a lot, but yeah, it doesn't get the job done. All right, for a second takeaway, we'll talk about the general gist of the story, which is that there's this stuff called Gaddis Root. It's kind of medicine that works for a fever, which isn't particularly fatal in general, but for Twi'leks, it is particularly fatal. And there are a bunch of elders who need this medicine on Ryloth. So Hera is part of a group that's smuggling in Gaddis Root. And the reason why they have to smuggle it in is because the Empire is in control of Ryloth and they have Gaddis Root and are willing to give it out for free, apparently. But to do so, you have to register with them. And that means that they get to start looking into your identity and searching for false identities and seeing basically who's going to potentially cause trouble. And so they're trying to keep the elders safe in that regard. So they get to Ryloth and everything seems to be going according to plan. There are people on Ryloth who are meeting them and who are going to help by interfering with the Imperial sensor net. And the plan almost works, but they still get tracked by some Imperial V-Wings and have to shoot it out with them. And there's damage to the ship and they manage to make it to an alternate rendezvous point and drop off the cargo and take off. But it requires Hera to take charge of the mission because as 
as they're getting fired upon, the captain is incapacitated, and so Hera, as the co-pilot, has to take over and essentially lead the mission. She ends up whipping everybody into shape and getting them to take care of their repairs and figuring out the alternate, the alternative landing site and managing all the very conflicting personalities on the mission. And this story was released about six years ago in 2015, so we are in spoiler territory for it in case I needed to give you the warning. But yes, they managed to pull off the mission after all and escape safely, though there are a few nail-biting moments in the process. Now, the third top takeaway has to do with why they don't escape Imperial notice and it becomes a firefight. And that has to do with the previously mentioned novel, Lord of the Sith. So there is a character from that novel who appears who is running the show on Ryloth. That person is Moff Delian Moores, and you don't have to have read Lords of the Sith to be able to read this and know, you know, what's going on or anything like that. But for the purposes of this, basically a whole bunch of stuff went down in Lords of the Sith, and Emperor Palpatine told Moores that she basically has only one more strike left, and if she screws up again, then she's toast. And so she sees that, you know, through her inner monologue also as a way to say, yeah, you know, there's also opportunities for redemption as well, but she's still, like, very nervous about the whole situation. And so when the people on Ryloth who are helping out with this mission take down all of their systems and the sensor net comes up, they see that one ship dropped out of their autopilot situation and looks like it's crashing and burning. But she says, you know what, send some V-wings over to investigate anyway. So she's got the right idea. And that's born from her paranoia based on her fear that Palpatine's going to come back after her if she screws up again. And of course, the three V-wings that come after the Eclipse, that's the name of the ship that they're flying. And those three V-wings get trashed. Well, it's up to Hera's quick thinking to figure out how they are going to still manage to pull off this delivery. And her solution is one that is not anticipated by Moff Dillian Moores. And so when she sends other V-wings to try to investigate, they're heading in the wrong direction. And so everything ends up working out okay. For Hera and company, that is. As far as for the Moff, well, yeah, that's left as an open question. We don't know what happens to Moff Delian Moors after this point. We have no other stories in the timeline after this that bring her into play. So it's just left as, oh boy, something happened and hopefully it's just smugglers and that's it as in hopefully nothing more sinister for you know her purposes. But they also figure out that it's really gonna be hard to investigate it because of you know where they landed and they don't have the personnel to do proper door-to-door -door searches, et cetera, et cetera. So it looks like Hera and crew are gonna get away scot-free and maybe just maybe Moff, uh, Moff Moors is gonna be able to <laughs> brush this under the carpet. All right, so as for a fourth top takeaway, let's talk about the free Ryloth movement. That was the movement that was started by Cham Syndulla to try to get rid of the Empire to kick them off of Ryloth. And it was basically utterly wiped out. It was just reduced to shambles by Palpatine and Vader with the events of Lords of the Sith. So now this particular mission is actually being run by somebody who was formerly part of the Free Ryloth movement and Hera was apparently connected to this person and volunteered for it but this person Gall, G-O-L-L, is somebody who knew Cham and was like Cham would have been super mad at me if he knew that I let you volunteer for this mission and that I took you on for it. 
And this person, Gaul, is one of the few survivors on the free Ryloth movement side of things from the events of Lords of the Sith. But apparently is, you know, still doing free Ryloth-y types of things, just very much under the radar and comparatively unorganized. And also with outside help, because Gaul and Hera are the only Twi'leks on this particular mission. The other three crew members are not Twi'leks. And by this time, Cham and Hera's relationship is already strained, so, you know, that probably factors into the dynamic there as well. But as a result of this mission, there's some reflection afterward, and Gaul talks to her about her leadership qualities and is, you know, very impressed with how she handled things in, you know, very perilous and dire emergency situations. And she has stirrings inside about leadership and about thinking that she can help stand up to the Empire in her own particular way. It doesn't necessarily mean following in Cham's footsteps, that there may be other ways to resist, as it were, but yeah, these are sort of the possible nascent beginnings of her own rebellious journey. As for the fifth top takeaway, the one about how it puts her Bad Batch appearance in a new light, we'll get to that in just a moment. But first, I want to say thanks again to the fine folks at Cufflinks.com, the three brothers who started that company who just love Star Wars and are partnering with us on the podcast this month. I mentioned early on in our conversations about this that I was already a client at Cufflinks.com long before this because I have these awesome R2-D2 cufflinks. Now, actually, if you look at the Porg tie I was wearing yesterday, there's a little R2-D2 peeking through in there, too. But, you know, with R2-D2 cufflinks, I wanted to get an R2-D2 tie as well. And so that is what I'm wearing on the video version of the podcast, <laughs> making it more clear in case you're listening to the audio version, this awesome R2-D2 paisley tie. And it's a pretty subtle thing, actually. You kind of have to look close to see what the deal is with it. And it is a prequel era R2-D2 because he's jetting around inside the little Paisley thing. So that's fun, too. And the folks at Cufflinks.com gave us a unique coupon code to share with you, which is really nice of them, too. It is SW7X715, and it lets you take 15% off anything in the site, Star Wars or not, and no minimum order. You just have to use that promo code at checkout. It's SW7X715 at cufflinks.com. All right, so for the tie into the Bad Batch as the fifth and final takeaway, you may recall from the episode in which she appeared that she is learning to fly at that point. This is taking place in 19 BBY, but right now or right at that time, she is only allowed to fly when the vehicle is already in the air. In other words, she's not allowed to perform takeoffs or landings. And so in this particular story, she is the co-pilot of the ship, and the pilot, as I mentioned earlier, gets incapacitated as part of the results of the firefight that they have with the V-Wing, so she has to fly it while it's being repaired, so it's already being problematic while they're flying. But then the alternate landing site they figure out is one where they basically have to drop in vertically, and there's only 10 meters of clearance on either side, and everybody's like, that's impossible, you know, it's too dangerous, we can't do it, blah, blah, blah and she says nope I can handle it and she handles it and actually like right at that moment is probably the one thing that I was like 
uh, shucks about this particular short story. I wish there had been just a little bit more about the transfer of the Gaddis route because basically she lands it, there are people at the hatch, and then they yell, all right, go, and then she takes off and that's that. But you don't get any of the interaction of how they manage to offload the Gaddis route extract, and you don't really have a sense from the story of how big a shipment this is. Like, you know, is this a lot of containers that they had to offload? It's just like, it reads in the story like they touch down and then they take off just about immediately. There's only mention of the name of a contact that they're meeting on the surface, but that contact doesn't actually appear, isn't shown. We don't know anything about that person at all. So yeah, that was my one little like, eh, I wish that there had been a little bit more of that in the story. But the point for our purposes is that six years after the events of her appearance in the Bad Batch, she has not only learned to fly and handle takeoffs and landings, but she's also learned to handle them in some very difficult circumstances. So Harris and Dula has come a long way by the time she is 16 years old in Mercy Mission, which is the short story from Melissa Scott that is part of that Rise of the Empire bindup, which includes A New Dawn and Tarkin and a couple other short stories that we'll be talking about in the near future as well. But for now, that is going to do it for this episode of the show. And it just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for it as always. And may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Star Wars 7x7 is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited other respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2021 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.